God. Come on, let's lift up the name of the Lord all across this house in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, let's love him right now. Let's praise him right now. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. worship you Lord come on let's put our hands together in this house hallelujah Hallelujah! what a what a joy to see everybody here today can we give God some praise right now for keeping his hand of protection upon us for watching over us for leading us through a very, very challenging season. I remember on March 11th, uh, the World Health Organization uh, named the coronavirus 2019 a global pandemic. And people started asking, pastors started saying, well, should we cancel church this Sunday? And I thought, well, cancel church? <laughs> really? Uh, so then I said, well, you know, just to be on the safe side, maybe we'll cancel everything but Sunday morning in March. And then in April, we'll get back to normal. And uh, it didn't happen quite like that. I don't know if you noticed, but it didn't quite happen along those lines. What a, what a journey. What a journey. What a faith walk this was. And God kept us. He watched over us. He led us beside still waters. He, he, he laid us down in green pastures. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil, for He is with us. Hallelujah. His rod and His staff, they comforted us. And it is, I'm telling you, this is a sight for sore eyes to see people gathered together in this great service lifting up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of the Lord. Glory to the name of the Lord. We had a great time at the 9.30 a.m. service, and, and we, well, we also want to say hello to all that are watching via live stream because many people are, are still in a position where they need to wait and would like to wait till things uh, normalize a little bit uh, on the health front, and we understand that and encourage that to those who feel the need to do that uh, because we have precious people that we want to make sure they're healthy and doing well. And, uh, and But we're so thankful that you're here today. God is so good. His presence is so rich. His, his love, ladies and gentlemen, is everlasting. His mercy endures to all generations. And we give Him praise today. Come on, one more time. Let's give Him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and while you're giving God praise, could we just give our media team a great big hand clap of appreciation? Amen. Brother Seth Holston, Brother Scott Bowles, Brother Zachary Kramelmeyer, Brother Charlie Elliott. Amen. Glory to God. Our music team, can we give our worship team a great big hand? They've been doing some amazing things. Amen. Our children's ministry, let's give children's ministry a great big hand. They've been providing Bible lessons and, and, our, and, our, and our branch youth ministries. Let's give our branch youth ministry. Our young people have been giving devotions and youth leaders have been teaching the Word of God. 
Amen. And Prime, let's give Prime a great big hand. God bless them, our young adult ministry. I mean, I wanted to get a big long list and just start reading through names, but, but the more we put the list together, we realized it was everybody in the church. So we just want to say thank you to the Tree of Life Church because in some way or another, you participated in taking us through this challenging season. And we thank God for you. And we thank God for what He has done. Now, I will tell you today, we got to hit the ground running. we got work to do. So we don't have time to just come in and, and, and patty cake a little bit and smile at a few folks and do some air hugs and high fives from afar. We've got work of God to do. Our world is in trouble. And they need the church. They need the church more than they've ever needed the church before. And the church will not shrink from the challenge. We're ready for this. I said we're ready for this. Hallelujah. We were called for these moments to do what the Lord has anointed us to do. I'm turning your attention this morning to the gospel according to John chapter 11. And I'm going to read from the verse of 33. And we're going to read through to the verse 44. 33 of John chapter 11 says this. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping. And the Jews also weeping. Which came with her. He groaned in the spirit. And he was troubled. And said where have you laid him? They said unto him Lord come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews behold how he loved him. Some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. I want to preach for just a few minutes this morning from the statement found in the 38th verse. That Jesus groaned in himself and came to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. My message is the cave was a grave with a stone on it. The cave was a grave with a stone on it. Can we lift up our voices to the Lord together in this house and magnify God? Ask for his blessing. Jesus, we have so much to praise you for. How you brought us. How you brought us from a mighty long way. How you carried us through deep valleys. How you lifted our spirit, Lord, when we felt discouraged, Lord. How you, how you watched over us and, and held our hand and strengthened us. And 
breathed life into us, oh God. We thank you that you brought us back today. Hallelujah. To magnify and to lift your name. We worship you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. We magnify the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And the church said, in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. And amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. My goodness, it's been three months. It is so good to see everybody here. And when we first had to go into uh, quarantine, we had no idea how long it would be. And we had no idea what the virus was going to do. And, and now here we are. Now, we're going to be back to normal before you know it. But we've got to get through these first few weeks to kind of feel things out and see how things are going. So bear with us. We're on a little bit of a learning curve like everybody is on a learning curve. But we're, we're going to understand how to do this, and we're going to be back to normal before you know it. So, But when we first were in quarantine, we had no idea then when our first service was going to be and what it was we would be facing as a nation when we would come back to worship together. We knew that it was going to be a time of rejoicing. Of course, we didn't even imagine having two separate services. We just thought, all right, we'll just, one day we'll say, all right, we're having service this Sunday. We'll all pile in and have a Holy Ghost time. And, and, and yet we have to take some certain precautions before we can do that. But we had no idea the kind of trauma that our nation would be facing as it is facing right now. Our world is in need of God. It is in need of healing, deep, deep healing. It is in need of justice, and it is in need of mercy at the same time. It is need of grace. It's in need of a revival. It's in need of salvation. It is in need of God and all of the beautiful things that come from God. We need a Holy Ghost revival in our land. And, 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 and that, cannot, that cannot come from the world. The world cannot generate that. Government can't generate that. Politicians can't generate that. Legislation cannot generate that. It is a heart condition that our world is struggling with right now. And they can try to legislate the heart of man, but it is impossible to legislate the heart of man. This is the whole reason Jesus came to the world, was so that he could fulfill the law and bring grace to those who are lost. And by so doing, he allows us to have an inward law, an internal law, a law that governs us from the inside. And it, and it prevents us from, from entering into, the, into a, a place of eternal damnation because of the grace of Almighty God. So this is where the church is today. The church is well suited for the task at hand. Now, in this situation, our world has... They've run out of answers. They ran out of answers a long time ago. The church has the answer. The apostolic Pentecostal church is a church that is born in unity. A church that is designed by God for unity. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all, everybody say all. all. 
all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And there were devout Jews out of every nation under heaven inside the upper room. Every single nation on earth was represented in the upper room. And every culture was represented and every language was represented in the upper room. And every one of them heard the same life-changing message, which is repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the plan of salvation, ladies and gentlemen. This idea of repentance is more than a concept. It is the way out of sin. And everybody in that upper room was hearing the truth that if you turn from your wicked ways, the Lord will remember your wickedness no more. If you'll turn and repent, hallelujah, and, and all people out of every nation under heaven were hearing for the first time the way out of the sin that was in their heart. Repent from your sins and be baptized, every one of you, every one of you. Do you hear the all-inclusive language of Acts chapter 2? All men. Devout Jews from every nation under heaven. Be baptized every one of you. Earlier Peter said, Joel prophesied it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. It is not something that is reserved for one group of people. It is for the whole world. Can I remind somebody that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life this is an all-inclusive gospel of Jesus Christ and everyone to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ let me tell you what happens when we're baptized in Jesus name we are taking our old man and our old thoughts and everything about us everything about us and we are being baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. This is why Paul said that there is equality in the church because of the fact that no matter where you come from, you are baptized into Jesus Christ. And no matter what you've done, you're baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. And no matter what sin is on your record, you're baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that every single one of us, when we take on his identity we release who we were we release who we used to be we release what we used to do and we take on a new identity and that identity is the identity of Jesus Christ that's what we're walking when the Bible says we walk in the newness of life and then we are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and there's not a gift of the Holy Ghost for you and then a different one for you and a different one for you and a different one for you no it's the same Holy Ghost it's the same blood that washes away the sin stain it's the same name hallelujah that you run into and are safe it's the same power that lifts you up out of your broken condition it's the same love hallelujah for who so ever will that is the apostolic Pentecostal way and, and, and there's, a, there's another understanding about, about God in the apostolic Pentecostal church is that he is one God one God and his name is one and there aren't multiple persons he is one Lord 
Hallelujah. And he operates in a multiplicity of ways. But he is one God. And so, so him being one God makes us his one body. He's one God. We're one body. That's the apostolic Pentecostal truth. And so we thank God to be apostolic Pentecostal. In 1906, let's fast forward from the upper room, Acts chapter 2. Let's fast forward to the United States of America. A nation that has enshrined in its founding documents amazing principles of freedom and liberty. Amazing principles of, of individual independence. And, and self-governance by the people, for the people, and of the people. I mean, remarkable, remarkable truths and principles. But you fast forward to the 19th century, and America had not allowed those principles to be given to every individual. And so there were people, particularly the African-American community, that were absolutely disallowed from these founding principles in the 19th century and, and of course the, the terrifying reality of slavery a, a stain on our history that, that, that is unthinkable and unfathomable its level of, of depravity it has behind it the same spirit that the Holocaust had in Nazi Germany a spirit of dehumanization and, and debasement and it, is a, it, is a, 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 it was a work of the enemy and, and, and yet even after the war was fought and even after emancipation was proclaimed, there were still problems that lasted through the 19th century and into the 20th century and into the 21st century, into 2020 where we still stand. We're still dealing with this, this principality that just simply refuses to loosen its grip. And let me remind you, ladies and gentlemen, as the church of God, we cannot expect the world to fight spiritual battles. We cannot expect the world to know how to fight this battle. They don't know because they're not regenerated by the power of the Holy Ghost. They're in a fallen condition. We are the ones that have turned from our sins. We are the ones that have been baptized into his name. We are the ones that have been filled with his spirit. We are the ones that have to fight the battle. It can't be won with carnal weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Hallelujah. To the pulling down of strongholds. And I want you to know that, that slavery is a stronghold and segregation was a stronghold and systemic racism is a stronghold and it can only be pulled down through the power of almighty God and through the love of God and through the word of God and through the unity of the church <laughs> hallelujah it is the church's responsibility to show the world how this is done Oh, hallelujah. It's, it's, it's not something that you, can, that you can somehow force through a legislative process and expect that it might take care of the letter of the law, but it won't take care of the spirit of the law. And that is the problem in American society is that there have been a lot of changes to the letter of legislation, but there's still a spirit that, that lives within and it can only be changed by the power that lives inside the church of the living God. In 1906, after the turn of the century, the 20th century was now upon us. And God poured out his Holy Spirit again upon a people who were seeking him. He did it as a, at Azusa Street. 
a little street in Los Angeles called Azusa Street. And there was a dramatic outpouring of the Holy Ghost that fell upon those people in 1906 in Los Angeles. But I want you to understand something. It wasn't just one ethnic community that received the power of the Holy Ghost. It was every nation under heaven. It was all people. It was all kindreds and tongues and languages and nations and ethnicities. Now, we don't believe in races at Tree of Life Church. The Bible does not refer to people as belonging in separate races. This is a worldly concept. There's no such thing as different races. There's such thing as mankind. And God formed man of the dust of the ground. And God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And God made male and female in his image. He created them. It is the world that tries to separate us. It is the world that tries to compartmentalize us. It is the world that tries to enact some sort of a segregation, whether through letter or through spirit. But the church has to be the model of the fact that the Lord our God is one and his people are one. I'm not afraid of this principality. I'm not afraid of its intimidation. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And we stand strong together in the love and the power of the word of God. Hallelujah. Hear what I'm telling you. We are baptized into the body of Christ. And immediately when we're baptized into the body of Christ, we take on his identity. There's no difference. There's no difference between us. We're a holy nation. We're a royal priesthood. We're a chosen generation. That chosen generation, it's referring to generational unity. It doesn't matter if you're 80 or 90 or if you're 10 or 15. There is a chosen generation. Hallelujah. And that holy nation, that's referring to unity of nations. Unity of peoples. From all over the world. It doesn't matter what continent you may originate or your family may originate from. When you're baptized into the body, it's a holy nation. It's a chosen generation. It's a royal priesthood. And that priesthood is referring to spiritual unity. So, so in other words, it's not if you've, if you've been in the church for two years versus being in the church for 50 years, it doesn't make you any less powerful as a child of God. You hear what I'm telling you? It, I've seen people who didn't know much about the Bible, but they had a new faith in Jesus Christ and they laid hands on the sick and saw them recover because we're a royal priesthood and we're a chosen generation and we're a holy nation. And you better believe we're a peculiar people because this world can't figure out how to get their act together but the church is peculiar we stand as one and we don't do it through hate and we don't do it through divisiveness and we don't do it through wrath and we don't do it through malice we do it through the love of God 1906 Azusa Street Los Angeles California Holy Ghost is poured out upon all flesh and a revival spread from there that went around the world. And that's where the Pentecostal movement came from. Hallelujah. And, and, and then shortly thereafter, there was a revelation that, that, hey, this Jesus we're worshiping is the mighty God in Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself. And that's why the Bible teaches us to baptize in his name. Because he has the power. 
and the authority. And so the oneness apostolic Pentecostal movement began. And it was, it was not reserved for one collection or grouping of people. It was all people. Now, now folks, I'm talking about 1906. I'm talking about 1906. This is 41 years after the Civil War concluded. 41 years. There were people a part of that movement that remembered slavery. And they're standing there with hands uplifted. Worshiping with tears rolling down their face. Asking God to forgive them for their racist ideology. Asking God to forgive them for any ought that they ever felt against their fellow man. And God was baptizing them with the Holy Ghost and fire. They were, I'm 41. I just turned 41 two days ago. I'm still trying to get over it. But I got... And I thought, my goodness, that's, that doesn't seem like a long time. From 1865 to 1906, and you go, to a, a, you go from a, a literal civil war that broke out over this issue. And now in 1906, people are worshiping together. And they're coming back into what God's original plan had always been. God never intended for there to be hate among people or suppression from one people to another. God intended for us to worship him in the beauty of holiness together in the love of God so here they are they're worshiping together could you throw that picture up on the screen I want to show you all a picture this is called the early Pentecostal revival it's the cover of a book the author is uh, Bishop James Laverne Tyson dear friend of mine and and he is writing about the early Pentecostal revival about the the history of the 20th century Pentecostals and particularly the Pentecostals of the world, P-A-W, from 1901 to 1930. Now, if you can see the gentleman underneath the name Tyson, he has a bow tie. That is a man by the name of Bishop G.T. Haywood. Bishop Haywood founded the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World, which is the, the oldest oneness apostolic Pentecostal organization. And... He founded Christ Temple in Indianapolis, Indiana. And when he founded Christ Temple, now remember this is 41 years, 41 to 50 years after the Civil War had ended. Bishop Haywood had a congregation of about 2,000 people. And it was about 50% African American and about 50% Caucasian. The world had never seen anything like that. America had certainly never seen anything like that because they weren't looking at something man could manufacture. They weren't looking at something man could generate. They were looking at something only God can do. They were looking at something only the Holy Ghost could, could demonstrate. And Bishop Haywood wrote songs. You, you may know some of them. One says, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. I'm going to sing it again. Thank God for the blood. Oh, thank God for the blood. 
Yes, thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. He wrote another song that said, I see a crimson stream of blood and it flows from Calvary. It's waves which reach the throne of God are sweeping over me. He wrote that song after seven days of being in prayer and fasting in his office at the church. After seven days, shutting himself away on a Sunday and praying and fasting, he came out on the following Sunday with this song in his hand. And as he walked into the church, the power of God was so strong upon him that the saints of God just, they couldn't even stand up under the presence of the Lord. And they fell. They literally sat back in their seats as the Holy Ghost moved upon them. And blessed unity, hallelujah, blessed unity came upon the church. Hallelujah, the church of the living God, our creator, the one who created all of us in his image and made all men to be of one blood upon this earth. I want you to understand that is the will of God. And, and Bishop Haywood wrote this song in Indianapolis. He left Indianapolis shortly thereafter for a trip, took a trip to Chicago, Illinois, knocked on the door of a pastor's home in Chicago, and the child of that pastor answered the door. He was eight years old. His name, the little boy, his name was Nathan Urshan. That was my grandfather. His father, Andrew Urshan, and Bishop Haywood were dear friends. And he came into the home and they sat in the living room and they wept together as Bishop Haywood sang the song to him. What were they weeping about? They were weeping tears of joy, knowing the deep-seated pain that lived within the culture of their present world. But here God is bringing the church together in 19. 06, 1928 at that time when the song was written 1928 and they were rejoicing together knowing what God was up to that is the early Pentecostal revival now the man that's sitting there above where it says history of 20th century Pentecostals I don't know if you can see it real well but the man sitting there that has his knees kind of up and his, his arms crossed in front of his knees and his hands are folded that's a gentleman by the name of Frank Kurtz he is the founder of the Tree of Life Church. He founded the Tree of Life Church. That's apostolic Pentecostal unity. That, that, that congregation, if you could see up close, there are many Caucasian brothers and sisters, many African American brothers and sisters. That's apostolic Pentecostal unity. That's upper room. That's Azusa Street. That's Tree of Life. I said, that's tree of life. It, it may not be America in 2020, but that's tree of life, and it needs to be the kingdom of God at large. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when we're baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, there is a unity that comes upon us. There is a oneness that comes upon us. But here's the sad reality that has faced uh, the African-American community in America. That even though the, in the church and in the name of Jesus and in the body of Jesus, they experience and we all experience this oneness, there's still division in our world. And too many times the church, the people, the, the people of the kingdom can allow the world 
to begin to influence them. And that's exactly what happened to the early Pentecostal revival. The spirit of the 20th century and the war that waged against the unity of the body of Christ began to come against the church. And the church began to give in to the cultural pressure. And, and, then, and then feelings began to develop and, and off they went back into the corners. And that's not where they belonged. They belonged together. They belonged worshiping together, working together, reaching the world together. That's the church. And, and so when we, today in 2020, when we see our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering in this present day, who are experiencing things and telling us that they are experiencing challenges and problems and suffering, we can't turn a blind eye to it. We have to be there for one another and we have to love one another and strengthen one another and work together to see God do something great. I believe that the United States is on the precipice of the greatest revival it has ever seen but it will not come through worldly inventions. It's going to come through the church. It's going to come through the body of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Woo! Hey, we've got work to do. We've got work to do. We've got work to do. Jesus receives this message that his friend Lazarus is sick. And then he finds out that his friend Lazarus died. And Jesus goes on to the scene where Lazarus had died. Now, Lazarus, and I see Lazarus as this apostolic unity that we are talking about. Because it was so rich in the early days of Pentecost. I, I, I read about it and, I, and I, I just, I think how beautiful it must have been for, for people to, in the middle of a world. Listen folks, they, the South was under Jim Crow laws. The South was experiencing deep segregation. And the church was worshiping together and loving one another and working together. And they were defying it. They were just, it just simply was, it was, it was a revival. It was glorious. It was wonderful. But the, but, the, but the pressure of the culture began to slowly drive a wedge. And the church just kind of allowed it to happen. Listen, listen, hear what I'm telling you. Jesus walks onto the scene of Lazarus' death. And Martha comes out to him and she says to him, I mean, she's angry. She said, if you would have been here, my brother would still be alive. If you would have been here, where were you when I needed you? You know, that, that, that could have jarred Jesus. That, that could have shocked him a little bit. I'm here to, I'm here to help. I'm here to pay respects. I'm here. If you would have been here earlier, my brother would still be alive. But he's Jesus. He doesn't get jarred. And let me tell you who we are, ladies and gentlemen. When I say we're the body of Christ, I mean we're, we're the Jesus this generation needs. Yeah, I, we're, that's who we are. And, and we've got to be together so that we can be the full and total Jesus that they need us to be. Yeah, we, we don't, we don't, we can't, we can't, we can't allow the pressures of this world to drive a wedge in any kind, any kind of way because we are the body of Christ. I can't look at the ear and say, I think I could make it without you. The, the, the ear can't, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't know if I really need you. No, 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 that's of the devil. We've got to work together. I need all the faculties of the body of Christ, hallelujah, to be in motion because we've got some dead people to raise. We've got some dead dreams 
to raise. We've got some work to do. There are miracles that need to happen. And let me tell you something. We've stayed in our corner too long. It's time to emerge with the love of God on our lips and healing in our hands. Jesus did not get intimidated when Martha came at him with her accusation. Where were you? Why weren't you here? If you were here, he'd be alive. Jesus didn't run from that. He understood that it came from a place of deep grief. That it came from a place of deep pain. It came from a place of a deep wound. And we must understand as our world around us, our whole world is raising its voice. And all around us there is, there is a loud sound. You can't run from it. There's deep grief behind it. There's deep, deep pain behind it. And I'm going to tell you, the devil would be happy to fill a vacuum where the church left one. We can't let that happen. Jesus didn't let it happen. Jesus looked at Martha. Martha was angry. She was upset. She was raising her voice. You should have been here. Where were you? Where? She's talking to Jesus. And Jesus didn't, he didn't run. And he didn't debate. And he didn't argue. He said, I am the resurrection. And I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You know how we respond to people in their grief and in their pain. And let me tell you something. When you're the church, this is why Jesus said things like, turn the other cheek. And when someone asks you for your coat, give them your cloak also. And this is why he said, blessed are the meek. And blessed are the poor in spirit. And blessed are the pure in heart. And blessed are the peacemakers. And you are the salt of the earth. And you are the light of the world. And you are a city on a hill that cannot be hid. He was saying that because he knew you were going to get your face smitten and you were going to have somebody to come and, and give you a reason to somehow react with flesh harshness. And Jesus said, don't do it. Don't fall for it. It's carnal weapons. I, I, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. Don't let the enemy stop what I'm trying to do. Notice what Jesus went through when he went to the cross. He answered not a word to his accusers. He answered not a word. He just simply, he just simply forgave and loved and he allowed the grace of God to flow in ways that nobody would have known. He looked at Martha and said, He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That is our message to our world. Our message to our world is, He is the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in him, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He said, I can, she said, even now you can, you can raise him to life. Mary comes out, her sister. And Mary says the exact same thing Martha said, identically. But she said it with a different posture. She came to his feet, weeping, and said, if you would have been here, my brother would still be alive. To Mary, Jesus said, show me where you have laid him. Now, when you look at Martha and Mary, I want you to know you're seeing a picture of our world. In Martha, you see the external. Where were you? It's, it's, it's grief. It's, it's, it's shouting. It's, it's anger. Where were you? But don't let Martha prevent you from seeing the Mary that's on the inside. Mary is the internal. And Mary's at his feet saying, if you would have just been here, 
my brother would still be alive. Now Jesus gave a message to Martha. He gave her a message. But when he saw Mary weeping, that's when he was moved and said, show me where you have laid him. Let me tell you what the church must do. The church must see past the exterior of anger and see the interior of grief and understand that we are anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us because he hath anointed us to preach the gospel to the poor, to preach deliverance to the captive to set at liberty them that are bruised to bind up the brokenhearted to open the eyes of the blind that's why we're here we are not listen we are not afraid of the anger because we know that it is it is it is covering the grief and we're going to get to the grief the bible says in proverbs 18 19 it says that a, a brother offended it's harder to be won than a strong city. And his contentions are like the bars of a castle. And, and what that means is that when a person becomes offended over and over and over, there is a hardness that can develop. And, 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 and the Solomon, the proverb, proverbial uh, writer, said it, it becomes like a strong fortified city. And, and the bars of the, they're like bars of a castle. You're not getting through it. And so you might say, well, why are they so defensive? Because they've been offended over and over and over and over. Why are they so defensive? You've met people. You've met people in your world. You'd be like, man, I didn't, I didn't mean anything by that. And you wonder where the defensiveness came from. It's, don't, don't let it drive you off. You're a healing agent. Don't let it drive you off. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So how do I get through bars of a castle? How do I get through... How do I get through a strong, fortified city? 1 Corinthians 13 and 8 says, Love never fails. Love never fails. That's why we don't respond with hate. Hate, hate is a work of the flesh. But love never fails. And so, Jesus said, show me where you have laid him. Love has action to it. The body of Christ, we have to take action and that action is love. And so Jesus said, show me where you have laid him. And when they brought him to the place, the Bible said he groaned in his spirit. When he saw that Mary was weeping, he groaned in his spirit. When he saw the Jews weeping, he groaned in his spirit. And then the Bible says Jesus wept. And, and, and he came to this place and he said, Roll away the stone. I want you to understand. This was a cave that became a grave. And this grave had a stone rolled over it. And, and there are so many people in our society today who have hidden in their caves and they don't want to have the hard conversations. And they don't want to deal with the hard truths. And they don't want to, they don't want to, to deal with the realities of our world. So they'll retreat into their caves. And I want to warn you, that cave is actually a grave. You're setting yourself up for spiritual death if you withdraw into your cave and say, I don't, want to, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk to anybody about it. I'm just going to form my opinion and, and be here. I'm going to tell you, you're rolling a stone in front of your, 
your, your, your place of isolation and you'll never get out without the power of God. Jesus steps onto the picture and he said, roll away the stone. Roll it away. Roll it away. And you know what? He had the word. He was speaking the word. He was declaring the word to roll away the stone. But the people had to roll away the stone. Jesus didn't roll away the stone. The people rolled away the stone. And now watch, watch how fast they rolled away the stone. Now this is a big boulder. This is a massive boulder. And, 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 and they rolled away the stone. Watch how fast they did it. Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Wow, that was quick. Except it didn't happen like that. It took multiple people. And lots of engineering. And hard work and sweat. And toil. And pushing and pulling. And trying. And, and, and when your foot slipped, try again. And when your shoulder hurt, lean in more. And when you feel like you're not making progress, keep pushing. Yeah. Tree of life, we've got to roll away the stones in our society. Yeah. Government can't do it for us. Elected officials can't do it for us. Community organizations can't do it for us. The police can't do it for us. The church has to do it. We are the ones that roll away the stone. It starts here. Push, push, pray. Pray, pray, hallelujah, pray together, pray in one accord, show the world how it's done, hallelujah, love your neighbor as yourself, put your shoulder to the plow and don't look back, you've got to let go of past differences, past feelings, you've got to let it go in the name of Jesus, I'm going to tell you something ladies and gentlemen, don't expect to take any bitterness or resentment in heaven with you, you there's room for you but there's not room for that that's a part of the old man it's got to be buried with Christ any feelings that you might have of a racist nature it has to be covered in the blood of the lamb it has to be crucified with Christ it has to be crucified with Christ there's no place for it in the new Jerusalem or in the church. There's no place for it in the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In 1992, Bishop Paul Bowers of Greater Emmanuel Apostolic Temple, he was the presiding bishop of the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World. And suffragan Bishop Lavelton Daniel, now pastor of Greater Emmanuel, came to our bishop, Bishop Buller. And said, we have a desire to see apostolic Pentecostal unity in Cincinnati. We want to have Pentecost Sunday 1992 be something spectacular. And they joined together and brought others with them. And all the apostolic Pentecostal people of the greater Cincinnati area came together in 1992. Thousands. And they blew the roof off this city. How many were at Pentecost 92? Could you just stand if you were there at Pentecost 92? Could you just stand? My God. Thank you, Jesus. Could you give a hand to all these wonderful, precious saints of God? Hallelujah. 
I'm going to tell you what started in, it actually started in the upper room, but it picked back up in 1906, and it's gone through the fire, but the fire couldn't burn it, and it's gone through the storm, but the wind couldn't turn it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And in 1992, it picked back up in our city of Cincinnati. And I want you to know in 2020, we've got to have it. We've got to have it. We've got to have it. We've got to, we've got to show the world what it looks like for a people to be united in praise, loving and forgiving and living and supporting. And I'm going to tell you something. You need to turn social media off. You need to turn the TV off. You need to stop trusting the media. You need to stop trusting politicians. You need to look to the hills from whence cometh your help. Our help cometh from the Lord. Glory to God. In Jesus' name. As long as I'm alive or anybody that has been influenced by me by the grace of God. I pray in Jesus' name that there'll be a voice crying in the wilderness to prevent the church from ever being divided along these lines again. We've got a responsibility, Tree of Life. We're here for the healing of the nations. We've got a responsibility to roll away the stone. You know what that stone is? That stone is offense. Paul called it a stumbling block. It's offense. Anybody ever been offended before? I know what offense feels like. You know what offense feels like. It's hard to get over. It's really hard. Because then you got to come worship with the person who offended you. And you're like... You're like, I was glad when they said unto me. And you got your side eye going over. <laughs> you know, that happens. There are, people, there are people who've been hurt in the church. There are people who have been, who've been wounded by hypocrites and wounded by racists and wounded by liars. And, and I mean, you know what? We Listen, listen. Do you know what all God brought us out of? My God, do you know the hell that God brought us out of? Do you know the lair that God brought us out of? Do you know the, the pit from whence we came? You have every kind of ungodly, unclean thing represented in the past life. And people, people stop praying, they stop fasting, and they stop reading the word, and they stop coming to church, and they stop tuning in to God, and they start drifting back into that old life. Don't let an offense you've experienced in God's church prevent you from understanding that he has built his church upon this rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Glory to God. Listen, in October of 2019, I was asked and elected to, to, to preside over the day of, celebrate, day of Pentecost Celebration Foundation for the city of Cincinnati. I need your help. Because the Day of Pentecost Foundation is a, an organization that is designed. Hallelujah. To be able to stand up in this day. And say we are the church. 
We are the people of the name. We are the people of one God. We have his spirit living on the inside. We have his blood covering the sins we've committed in our past. He rescued us. Hallelujah. And we have the answer. Hallelujah. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. I'm putting my shoulder to the stone. And I need you to get behind me and help me. And come up beside me and help me. we got to put our hands on any stone of offense that may exist anywhere. And push it out of the way. Move it. Move it in the name of Jesus. If you have faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed. You can say to this mountain. Be thou removed and cast into the sea. I want to know. Is there a witness in the house of God this morning. That says we can roll away every stone. It's a process. It's not easy. It's a process. It's hard work. But we got to be committed to it. Because Lazarus, that apostolic unity, Lazarus needs to come back to life. Lazarus needs to live again. Do you know do you know that when Lazarus came back to life, do you know that the whole town came to the dinner that Jesus was there having dinner with Lazarus? The whole town came not to see Jesus, but to see Lazarus. I'm going to tell you something. What would happen if all of Cincinnati had an end-time Holy Ghost, apostolic, one God revival? Hallelujah. Where every nation under heaven was baptized with the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, people would come from all over. They may not even be willing to receive Jesus just yet, but they want to see Lazarus back to life Jesus had the word but the people had to move the stone moving the stone that's up to you and I we have to move the stone we have to do the hard work of listening without being offended we have to do the hard work of loving and being patient and being kind and being peaceful we have to do that hard work and when we do that hard work, that stone is going to move. And when the stone moves, Jesus said, before he said, Lazarus, come forth, he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard my prayer. The church needs to right now, we, I'm telling you, we need to stop spewing what the world is saying. And we need to start thanking God. Lord, you're hearing our prayer right now. You're going to bring unity to our land and you're going to bring equality and you're going to bring power and you're going to bring healing. God, you're going to do it. Hallelujah. You're going to erase. My God, have mercy. Listen, Jesus said, roll away the stone. Do you know that they said, it's no use by now. He, he actually stinks because it's been four days. And so, so they, they lifted their voice to say, it's impossible to do what you're talking about, to roll away the stone. And Jesus said, Jesus said, I, I, didn't, I didn't ask you to do it. 
I told you to do it. Take away the stone. And, and, and some people are afraid. Some people are afraid. They're afraid of what they'll find. They're afraid of what, what, what it might be like. And I'm going to tell you something. You don't, you, don't, you don't worry about those things. You just let God do what God is going to do. Hallelujah. And he said, roll away the stone. Hallelujah. Roll away the stone. And when he rolled away the stone, we have people in our world saying it's impossible. People in our world saying we've come a long way since Dr. King spoke and said I have a dream and he began to give details of that dream of unity and harmony and peace and love and now we have we have in our society people who have given up on the hope church we can never give up on the hope we're going to roll away every stone and Jesus is going to speak the word hallelujah when he speaks the word, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus is going to come up out of that grave. Apostolic unity is going to be restored. Hallelujah. And then he said, loose him and let him go. That's up to us too. We can't let the grave close. We can't let any kind of a hindrance prevent us. Lazarus is alive. Loose him. Let him go. Let apostolic unity go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it run. Hallelujah. Let it move. Let it breathe. Let it operate. Let it thrive. Hallelujah. There's going to be a revival in the land. There's going to be a Holy Ghost outpouring in the land. I believe it with all of my heart. My God, if you believe it, could you just lift your hands with me right now? Thank you, Jesus. Your cave is actually a grave. And it has a stone of offense on it. And the only way there'll be new life is for the offense to be removed. I'm putting my shoulder to the offense. Is there somebody that will stand with me and say, Pastor, I'm with you. I'm putting my shoulder to the offense. Hallelujah. And we're going to see God do a great work in our land. And it's going to start right here. It's going to start right here. It's going to start right here. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not preaching to you a pretty little sermon. I'm preaching to you, thus saith the Lord. I didn't, I didn't get, so, I had a, listen, I had something that I thought, well, that might be good to preach. And then the Lord said, this is my word. You speak my word. I've come to tell you, we're going to see the promises of God. We're going to let God do the work. And he's going to anoint us. He's going to anoint us. He's going to anoint us to preach the gospel and to bind up the brokenhearted and to set at liberty them that are bruised and preach deliverance to the captive. When one part of the body suffers, the whole body responds. I said when one part of the body suffers, the whole body responds. Come on, lift up your hands with me right now all across this place. Lift up your hands right now all across this place. And let's let God do a work right now. Come on, that's it. Say, Lord, whatever the stone is, whatever the stone is that's in my path, I release it right now in the name of Jesus. I release it right now in the name of Jesus. He Come on, Lord, take away every stone in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, God's getting ready to do a work. God's getting ready to do a work. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Let him do it right now in the name of Jesus.
know, we don't have a, another service to get to. So if you just want to keep on praising him, you go ahead and keep on praising him.
Come on and lift up your hands and your hearts. For the Lord God is with us. And he's going to take us through. He's going to take us through. The Lord God is with us. He's anointed us mightily to do a work this world has never, ever seen done before. We praise you, Lord. Oh, oh, oh. Lord, we thank you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for every precious saint of God, of Tree of Life Church, your church, your people. Lord, I praise you with a heart of gratitude, oh God. Hallelujah. For I feel your spirit. I feel your presence. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We belong to you, oh God. Go with us in the name of the Lord. Be within us in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Watch over every individual. Keep your hedge of divine protection. Multiple hedges of divine protection around your people. As we go from this place, we thank you for bringing us back together. And Lord, we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Well equipped by your word and your spirit. Hallelujah. To overcome hatred with love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To be salt in the earth and light in the world. Ambassadors for Christ. Oh God, let us never forget it. Help us to tune out this world and tune into you. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And the church said amen. Yo, I could stay here all day long. And I wish I could come give everybody a big hug. We're going to have to do ear hugs. God bless you. Apostolic ear hugs. Amen. The ushers have asked that as we go, we be dismissed from the back forward. And that will kind of mitigate how we uh, walk. But I do want to uh, mention that uh, we're going to be having our viewing of the chosen tonight at 7 p.m. That has been a very enjoyable thing to do, and not just enjoyable, but spiritually edifying to do during the quarantine on Sunday nights at 7 o'clock. Those are episodes 3 and 4, and uh, you can see those via the website, tlccincy.org. And then after the viewing of the Chosen series, if you don't know what the Chosen series is, it's a great series about the life of Christ seen through the eyes of the children 
of Nicodemus, of Simon Peter and Andrew and, and Mary Magdalene, you will be blessed. And then following the viewing of the chosen, you can, uh, you'll receive information about the Zoom call. And you can tune into the Zoom call and there'll be a discussion on the Zoom call about the episodes that were just seen. Something very edifying and good for you to do and your family. It'll be a blessing to you. We, we just encourage you to do it if you would like to do something on tonight. God bless you in the name of the Lord. Thank you for being here today and for the last three months you've been here. And we thank you for that. God bless you. We'll see you again on Sunday, a week from today.